0: So you had started saying, um, the, 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 they carved arrows into the wall so they don't get lost. Matthias is exploring. He finds an answer room full of shed snake skins. And I brought up a point about how, like, this space is, like, for generations of snakes and other reptiles. And, like, the use of this side room as a space to help shed their skins. There has to be something about the stone in that room where it is rough enough to help pull the, s- oops, To pull the skin off, but (laughs) soft enough not to hurt their new scales. Because the way that Mm -hmm. Matthias describes the stone is being yellow sandstone that is almost like a firm, wet sand. Mm -hmm. Like, it is just so soft and easy to carve into, but it is somehow sturdy enough that it's not just going to collapse on top of him. Mm -hmm. And so, this ante that is just... Full of shed snakeskins. And granted, they could all be as They could be. It's implied that he's this, been there for a long time. Yeah, but this room is specifically for these shed snakeskins. Because he doesn't find them anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Just here. Mm-hmm. So it's really interesting. Like, just glimpse into a, like, just a space and a set of creatures that just Brian... Gives us these crumbs.
1: I wonder if one reason Asmodeus is so
0: unhinged is because he's alone.
1: Because he's the last. And I'm sorry, unhinged is probably not a very nice word to use. But, um... But he's definitely, like, in his own head, in his own world. A Mm -hmm. relic. Yeah. Kind of a thing. Um... But yes, uh, Matthias finds a huge natural cavern with a small lake in its center, and hears Asmodeus hissing. He reckons the snake mustn't know he's there, or it wouldn't bother scaring him. You know, it would just kill him. And speaking of, he finds Guosim, who
0: is dead from an adderbite. Like, he's he's fucking unsettled, because he thinks that she's still alive, Mm -hmm. because he... He like sees her and she is like against a wall, and he's like, "Oh my god, oh my god, we have to like go with him. You're still okay? Okay, we need to go. Asmodeus could be anywhere." And like realizes because she's not moving and she's stiff as a board that she is dead. And he is actually, it's fine. worse. He touches her. Yeah, he um, touched her. Let me
1: her. see. Okay, here it is. There was Guosim, seated with her back against the wall. Matthias ran across and seized the gorilla shrew by her paw. Guosim, how'd you get there? Here, you little nuisance. We've been sir. Guosim toppled on her side, dead. With a strangled sob, the young mouse recoiled. He could see the poison fang marks clearly upon the shrew's chest. Guosim's face was bloated, the eyes grew shut, the lips blackened. Yeah, like, like, that's like a, a shock upon a shock. Not only did he touch her- but then, after thinking, oh, thank God she's alive, or whatever the Red red, red Wall equivalent of is. Um, yeah.
0: It turns out that she is not.
1: Very dead. Yeah. And, like, that's like, that gives me goosebumps. Like, that entire scene gives me goosebumps. It, it very much gives me the willies. Like,
0: if yeah, you're not expecting
1: to touch it is something
0: dead. Well written. I have accidentally touched dead things.
1: Yeah. It's not fun. No. It's very it is not well fun. Written. All right, so leaving the cavern, he finds another small hole and goes in to come face to face with the sleeping Asmodeus. He basically he's... finds Asmodeus' like air hole. Yeah, for um, his little lair. It's the little image of him like poking his nose into a hole just so he can sleep and also make like the hissing noise to scare people away while he's sleeping. It's kind of cute in a weird way. <laughs> yeah, just a um, little bit. He spots the Sword of Martin hung up on a root and begins to inch towards it, almost being spotted by the snake as he does. Like, Asmodeus opens his
0: eyes in his sleep. Like, the the weird, like, nictating membrane, like, moves? Which snakes don't have. Well, they- okay, I don't know if it's a nictating membrane, but I'm googling this now. No, snakes do not have eyelids at all.
1: again, further proof that Asmodeus is
0: just a dragon. Okay, that, yeah, I just googled it, and they have this thing called a brill, which is also called the ocular scale, eye cap, or spectacle, and it's a layer of transparent immovable disc-shaped skin um, on snakes. It literally only becomes clouded when they're about to shed their skin. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Although, like, if he had played into, like, actual snake anatomy, the thought of, like, Asmodius shedding and, like, that's why he couldn't see, that would be really good. Because, like, snakes also get really testy when they're close to shedding because they can't see anything. You know, yeah. they're practically blind. So, like, they're more inclined to bite. They're more inclined to strike. Because, like, I mean, if you were blind, you would be more defensive, too, uh, you know, if you spent most of your life sighted and you're like, well, crap, now I'm blind for a week or so. Ugh, hope nothing comes along and tries to eat me. Um. Anyway, yeah. somehow he manages to get the sword out and get out, only to run smack into a panic-stricken logalog who wails about Guo being dead
0: and awakens. Like he literally Asmorius. screams and is like, "Buddy," which is, I mean, <sighs> you're in the den of a snake. I know you know better. Uh huh.
1: And I you've seen Guosin dead things dead.
0: before. Yeah. But I guess it's different because like she might be more important to him, question mark. Or this may this is definitely a more stressful situation because they are surrounded basically by the smell of death.
1: Yeah. They're also small creatures in a snake's den, so there's the added um hello anxiety, you know. Yeah. You know, there's there's little creatures.
0: The snake is huge. The snake's a dragon. It's a dragon. It's a big feck-off dragon. Yeah. And Asmodeus wakes up and is like, hmm, there's shit in my den. Yeah, you are not supposed to be here. <laughs> I'ma get them. Snacks. <laughs> Tasty. Snacks. <laughs> Snacks.
1: Gotta get the celibate S's in there. Um, <laughs> uh, what did I put it up? Oh, yeah. The whole chapter, it was a really
0: good chapter. Like, that yeah. chapter oh my stands God. out to me. The, That's the the really good the, How tense that scene is. Oh, man. I was just like, fuck me. Mm-hmm.
1: It's like and one it of those cases where you
0: skip ahead a little bit because you're breath. like, yeah. Yeah, I was holding my breath. Also, I am going to apologize for the fact that I kept accidentally marking things as resolved because <laughs> I, I kept clicking things. the wrong button on my phone. I
1: was like, what is happening? Okay. And <laughs> <is> an accident that doesn't mean And
0: as- we- oh. No, I was, I was. you go. Yeah.
1: And as usual, we cut back to the Abbey. Uh, Constance is now the de facto leader of the Defenders, finally acknowledged for her great wisdom and value. Like, at the uh... beginning, they call, they call her slow thinking, which isn't the same as being slow-witted, but I still don't like it because they're still, like... They're they still were essentially
0: underlying... calling her stupid at the beginning, and now she's the oldest and wisest creature within the walls? Uh-huh. Like, uh, I'm sorry, that's not how this works. Like, talk about fair weather friends, good lord. Yeah, seriously, especially considering, like, badgers are supposed to be, like, noble, respected creatures, and it doesn't Mm -hmm. seem like anybody really respects Constance.
1: I guess that further, in, in, further, further solidifies the feeling that this is the end of the fairy tale era. Yeah. you know, well, because like okay, she's was... not getting the respect she would have gotten before. Hold on, in
0: uh, bygone times. I'm looking up the chronological order of the books so that uh-huh. I know where Redwall is on this, because there's a lot of things that happen. Okay, so it goes. If we're doing chronological order, it's Lord Brocktree, Legend of Luke, Martin the Warrior, Mossflower. Let no wait, Brocktree. Martin the Warrior, Mossflower, Legend of Luke, Outcast of Redwall, Mariel of Redwall, The Bellmaker, Salamandastron, Redwall, mm-hmm. Madameo, and then we get Pearls of Lutra, The Long Patrol, Fox, Tagarung, uh, Triss, Loam Hedge, Rackety Tam, Hyrule Lane, Eulalia, White, Sable Queen, Rogue Crew.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so... So it is, like, in the middle. This is not the end of the fairy tale era. This is smack-ass in the middle. Okay, so I take it back. Also, it's my turn to take a potty break. You entertain them
1: for a minute. Okay. um, Anyway. So, uh, the tunnelers will breach the abbey by noon that day. So she goes to consult with Formal. And then we cut to Clooney, who is too deep in thought to really care about the tunnel. So Claw, Fangburn, and Kilconey take upon themselves to mount the attack in his
0: stead. I like they Basically, I love Kilconey. I really, really did not want him to die. I know. I'm so mad. It's like, couldn't he have just, like, slipped away? Because my thing is, is, like, he didn't really originally want to be there. He's making the best out of a bad situation, but, like, he didn't want to be there. And, like, even uh, when they do capture the Abbey, he's still,
1: like, you know, no hard feelings, guys. Just, that's how it is. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and like he he's the one who has the idea like we should not tell any of the other pe- other like um like members of the horde, horde. That, yeah. that that uh Clooney's acting weird because they're just gonna fucking desert. He's very smart he is,
1: but as we know, with all competent vermin who are not the main villain, their mm-hmm. death will be swift and in. in- ignomious?
0: What's looking for like
1: here? It's not ignominious English is hard. Um,
0: English is in fact hard.
1: Yeah. And to it all is. of those out there who are bilingual, multilingual or polyglots, I have so much respect for you.
0: Um
1: <laughs> anyway,
0: especially if English uh, was not your first language. Yeah, I'm definitely. I'm so sorry you had to learn our language. It's bad. <laughs> right? Um let's see. Above ground,
1: the Redwallers listen to everything going on in the tunnel, ready to rain hell upon the attackers. And I mean that quite literally, because the Redwallers' plan is simple, brutal, and effective. Boiling hot water is to be poured down the tunnel.
0: They have two huge cauldrons bubbling away on fires in front (laughs) of where the moles have said that the first rat's head is going to pop up. And they've got, like, the tunnel, like, staked off Mm -hmm. so that they can collapse it.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. They know exactly when and where they're going to poke up. Um, And, like, I put a note here, like, finally, like, they're actually using some good siege tactics. Because, like, this is stuff that would happen. Like, during a siege, you would pretty much throw everything you had at the attackers, and sometimes that included boiling liquids of varying types. And it's effective, painful, and terrifying. Um... And, hello, Nightmare Fuel. Uh, Kilconey rallies the troops, issues the final orders, and it's time to go. Meanwhile, Clooney is trying to sleep back in his tent, but as ever, Martin is haunting his dreams.
0: Martin says, no sleep for you, bitch! Nope, you are you are attacking my home. I am going to make life hell for you. And, um, like, all of his, like, dead captains are, like... Mm -hmm. urging him to turn around and fight but he doesn't he's just running from martin in his dreams you can't hide Um, from yourself in your sleep yep dark claw is the one who is leading the attack through the tunnels now Mm -hmm. and he's got like a contingent and there's a bunch of them like in the tunnels as well and kilkenny has got the rest of them ready to go and so dark claw's head pops up he like sees the mice like around he's like ah I've caught them in the middle of just a little country bumpkin game. And then he turns, and he sees the cauldrons. And Constance. And he yeah, and he's like about to lift himself out, because he's just like, ah, oh, this isn't anything. And then Constance and, uh, I believe Ambrose Yeah. tip the cauldrons over and flood the tunnels <sighs> with scalding water. And it is horrifying, because the way that it is described... Um, is back. I had to put uh, my
1: book down for a minute because
0: uh, this
1: entire sequence is just pure nightmare fuel like the the thought of like hot boiling water underground in the dark. Mm-hmm. just God.
0: I feel so let's yeah, let me, I'm gonna read this. all right. Dark Claw set his claws against the ground to lever his body out of the hole. Before he could do anything to stop them, the badger and her companion tipped the bulky pots over. Dark Claw did not even get a chance to scream out a death cry. Boiling water cascaded down over his head in a hissy, hissing, steaming deluge. The force of the rushing water sent his body plummeting back down the hole. Endless gallons of scalding water hit the rats in the tunnel like a hellish tidal wave. The tightly packed rodents were instantly slain.
1: <sighs>
0: it's unsettling and is just not a fun way to die because he didn't die by drowning.
1: He was scalded to
0: death. Yeah, like that amount of pain and like basically just cooked him alive. It's deeply upsetting. Mm-hmm. And so after this, they all jump on the tunnel to just to collapse it yeah like the the red they jump on it they fill it with like rocks and rubble and shit so that they can't get into it um and like the abbey creatures fell silent and drifted away from the heap of stones which blocked the hole a fitting headstone for a mass grave of the enemy mm-hmm woof Brian knows how to write some shit. Yeah. Like, this is the kind of things that are terrifying about war. And I, again, am upset that he doesn't get into the, like, the, the aftermath and what that does to somebody's psyche. Like, these are all peaceful creatures who basically just killed a lot of people.
1: Yeah. I think, to like, the average Redwallers, they're partially protected by, like, they didn't see who got killed. And probably to an extent, to them, these aren't people.
0: Yeah, but at the same time, they are. Yeah. They are still a life. The thing about being a member of the Order is that life is considered sacred. Yeah. You don't kill if you can help it, you know? That's the way that it works. That's the vibe. And these, the Redwallers may have some of that kind of removal where it's like, oh, well, but these were enemies and they were trying to kill us this is still peaceful creatures who have been forced to commit war crimes yeah and mass atrocities yeah so like this is going to affect them
1: Mm
0: -hmm. i'm assuming there are going to be many nightmares after this yes uh because you know that they definitely heard the screams coming from the tunnels yeah um and after they do this, we have we get Fangburn and Kilkenny who are just thrown aside by rats and weasels and ferrets and stoats who are fighting their way out of the tunnel as like this horrifying boiling like the way it's described is Kilkenny peered into the tunnel all he saw was the battered body of a stoat being borne towards him on what appeared to be a boiling wave of ooze yeah he jumped backwards as a shoring burst, and the tunnel workings caved in with a dull rumble of earth. And then we cut back to Clooney's nightmare, and this is honestly terrifying uh-huh. to read, and I'm gonna do it anyway. Hello, this is the body horror, and I'm very sorry. Yeah, trigger as- warning, body horror. Yeah, as Clooney ran, another specter appeared in his fevered dream. It was a hideous-looking thing covered in a dark, steaming substance. It stood barring his way with its arms stretched wide as if to embrace him. Clooney pushed it savagely from him. It moaned piteously. Chief, it's me, Claw. Look what they did to me. And we get Kilkenny and Fangburn looking at each other outside the tent. And they like are like... You go in. No, you go in. Mm, actually, neither of us are gonna go in, and we're just gonna let him sleep. Uh, we'll leave this till later. It's fine. Yeah, <laughs> we're not gonna. Uh, mm, 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 we, we don't want to today. die today. Yeah, yeah. We don't. We don't want to. Uh, uh, mm, mm, no, the the plan failed. Uh, Clooney is sleeping. Maybe he'll be in a better mood when he wakes up. And surprisingly, and that was really eerie. Like, yeah, to read that whole sequence of events, like it was sobering like this is one of those if the cornflower bit had come after this it would have felt Or something soft had come after this it would have felt a, not necessarily appropriate but it would have been a better location for something like that I think yeah like because it breather. would have especially because we move immediately into another very heavy scene yeah because we move from this massive war crime to Matthias killing something properly for the first time. Yeah. One second.
1: I'm in my okay. room! Okay! <laughs> you can cut that. Apparently they forgot that I was recording, even though I told them several times. <laughs> Lord. Um, yes, Father, I heard you clumping around. Uh, burp 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 burp
0: burp.
1: could you cut
0: that please <laughs> um, yeah I'll cut it I didn't hear the clumping on my end but it may pop up in your audio no soon. but like there will be me yelling like hi you know I hear you yeah, anyway. yeah. Um. <laughs> so yeah I think that they're having something to kind of cut this just a little bit even if it was just sh- shifting to what I think would have been interesting would have been seeing Warbeak Yeah, like getting more of her In between this. Getting a little bit of focus on her as she is seeing this happen. And she is starting to watch more closely what is happening as she is settling into her her position as Queen of the Mm Sparrow. Like seeing her sending scouts out. Coming into her own. Sending scouts out. Properly like being a leader. Seeing just, even just a bit. A short scene. It could have been a paragraph. Mm-hmm. Something in between these two very heavy chapters to break this up a little bit. Because there are sometimes we're breaking up the action. It feels like Brian is just throwing something in to throw something in, and it's in a really weird mm-hmm. and weird spot that just kind of breaks it in a way that I'm like, wait, what the fuck? Yeah. Like it breaks my immersion a little bit. But in this moment, it's kind of like, I wish there had been something to break this up beyond getting Fangburn and Kilkenny debating whether or not they should wake Clooney up. Because yeah. that's still very tense. It's coming immediately after Clooney, like, seeing Dark Claw's ghost haunting yeah. him in his dream. And they are both legitimately scared because they could easily be killed. Yeah. Because Clooney is violent and unpredictable. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I I think getting because we get the Sparrows again in a little bit after this chapter, basically, like we start getting the Sparrows again. But seeing a little bit more of them from like not in the perspective of being around Matthias specifically would have been interesting to me personally. And again, I think it would have broken these two chapters up in a nice way.
1: Well, we won't get that because... No, because this is an
0: old book and uh, rewriting these books would be too much. (laughs) All right. But So, so, yeah, speaking of the next chapter that is very heavy. So
1: back in the quarry caves, the two run from the pursuing Asmodeus. He isn't worried. He knows these caves and they don't. Sure enough, the two run smack into a dead end.
0: Like at first, Mathias... he's moving very quickly yeah. to try and catch them, but then he realizes where they're going, so he slows down and he takes his time and he starts like he's like calling to them and kind of being a little like mocking yeah. and and scaring them because Matthias is is scared, but he is less scared than Logalog. Logalog is terrified. Out of Logo... he's got
1: that out of your mind kind of fear where you are yeah.
0: pure. He is not thinking. He is just. I need to get the fuck out. Yeah. Uh Um. So they end up in this dead end.
1: With Matthias, Matthias decides to hack up the sandstone because, like, like hell is he just going to stand there and take this? He's going to try and run, and he discovers there's like a little hole
0: behind some roots. So he gets described as being cell-like. Yeah. Like it is very small and very like the the space is tiny. mm Hmm. So he has
1: Logalog go through first because he is smaller, and he says, you know, like pull me through by my ankles. That way he can keep the sword trained on Asmodeus. And it works. He does manage to get through and he keeps his sword focused on Asmodeus, where the snake taunts him demanding the sword back.
0: Yeah. And starts to he's he's yeah, he's using the blade to keep Asmodeus back because the, like, he's trying to get at them. But Matthias has the blade point out of this hole mm-hmm. so that Asmodeus can't get a strike in. Yeah. Um, and he like Matthias literally yells at him, like, stay back, evil one, or I'll kill you. And Asmodeus gave a low, soothing hiss. Come to me, little mouse. Let me wrap myself around you. I will give you the kiss of eternal sleep. And like then Logalog, like yanks Matthias all the way in, and he falls on top of Logalog, and like like at this point asmodeus is trying to get in, and he can't. Like he gets his head in, but he can't get like his whole body in because he gets stuck on the tree root. Mm-hmm. He's too big. Um Yeah, and he's demanding the sword back. He says, like, if you give me my sword back, I'll make your dying easy. And Matthias just laughs at him and is like, come get it. Come take it from me. Um, And then he hypnotizes Matthias. Like, he can't get through. So what he does is he relaxes himself and he starts swaying his head from side to side. Um, He's like, look at me, my little friend. I can see that you are a great warrior. You are not afraid to gaze into my eyes. Look at me. The eyes seemed to expand and dilate until they filled the whole of Matthias's vision. They dominated him. He could not tear his gaze away. Asmodeus continued in a persuasive undertone. See, they are the twin pools of eternity. Sink into them and you will find darkness and rest. And Logalag is completely hypnotized. Matthias, too, he is feeling himself overcome with, like, lethargy. He, like, feels the adder's voice is, like, this... It's described as a cold, dark, green velvet fog that is threatening to envelop him... He feels his lid, his eyelids begin to droop, and then Martin the Warrior just strides out of the mist. Steve, <laughs> sex, Martina. I am divorcing you. <laughs> and, and says, "I am that is, Matthias. Why do you sleep? There is a warrior's work to be done here. Pick up your sword, Matthias. The evil one shall not have it. Strike out for me now, my brave young champion." And like this whole section again, I want to read it. It's good shit. <laughs> Um and then we're going to have a discussion about this whole the end of this <laughs> chapter. <laughs> um because Kit and I have different opinions about it. <laughs> As Modius was working his body free, pushing forward, Matthias's eyes were shut. His lips moved with one word. Strike. Suddenly the spell of the snake was broken. The young mouse's eyes snapped open, clear and bright. He swung the ancient sword high and struck at the giant adder. He struck for Redwall. He struck against evil. He struck for Martin. He struck for Logalog and his shrews. He struck for dead Guosim. He struck as Methuselah would have wanted him to. He struck against Clooney the Scourge and Tyranny. He struck out against Captain Snow's ridicule. He struck for the world of light and freedom. He struck until his paws ached and the sword fell from them. When Logalog awoke from out of the trance, he saw his friend, Matthias the warrior. He stood shaking, his chest heaved with exertion, his paws hung limp at his sides. The great sword lay against the warrior's blood-flecked habit, its long, deadly blade crimsoned in victory. And the head of Asmodeus' poisoned teeth, the giant adder, lay severed upon the ground, its eyes dulled in death, never again to hypnotize another living creature." Kit called this anticlimactic. I mean, <laughs> I would like for you to explain your reasoning before I go into my reasoning about why I think it's not.
1: Okay, so to me, I find it anticlimactic because mainly because, like, I don't think the writing is bad, but I feel that he, the Asmodeus is stuck in a wall. Matthias is at the ropes and then all of a sudden he has a vision of his past self come out and go hey stop being an idiot. He's like oh alright and then he steps into the role and he does kill the snake but there's no grand battle. There's no really like the face off doesn't feel equal here. Like he kills Asmodeus when Asmodeus is half trapped with like most of his abilities you know trapped behind the wall. Like yes he was able to hypnotize him but he was still stuck. He was still trapped. He wasn't able to strike back or fight back in any real meaningful way other than his hypnotism trick, which Martin undoes, undoes. And that's what I mean by anticlimactic in that I didn't expect him to go out, as Asmodeus to go out in such a way where he was handicapped by the terrain. That is, that is my only real complaint here and why I feel it was anticlimactic.
0: That's fair. That is a fair read of this particular scene. My looking at it and why I don't think it's anticlimactic is because we're seeing Matthias kill an evil thing for the first time. Like, before this point I don't think Matthias has killed something like this necessarily on purpose with this kind of intent behind it. Yeah. Like King Bull Sparrow died. But that was mostly Kimball Sparrow's... Uh, it was his own fault, yeah. really. Like, Matthias had something to do with it, but he was not the reason that the old king died. Yeah. And Matthias is not necessarily the reason that other evil creatures that he has come up against before now died. He had a hand in a paw in it, but <laughs> he did not purposefully with his own intent kill those things himself and that does and this make a is, difference it makes a difference this is the first thing that he's able to kill and i don't even want to say like yeah asmodeus wasn't necessarily stuck he couldn't move any further in he could definitely back out i think because like i think what happened is his his like Body just got too thick to keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. Which adders, it makes sense, he could adders are go thicker go forward, yeah, but he could probably back out. But he was like, well, I'm blocking their exit. Yeah. They cannot get out around me. I have the advantage here, you know, because he does. Because they can't get around him and he does not think for a second that Matthias will be able to break his like his spell because no creature has before. Yeah. He is a dragon. Dragons are notoriously very difficult to kill, and it usually takes something external, something magic Mm -hmm. to kill a dragon. Yeah. It takes like in um I don't know all of the tale of the Green Knight. Right. Right, But, like, I know that um, he kills a dragon. Mm-hmm. And a lot of Arthurian tales have to do with the faith in God and the hand of God giving them the strength to kill the evil. Because right?
1: we want our old mythology, but you gotta make it Christian.
0: Yes. And Martin is kind of that. He is that, that, that last burst of faith give the the protagonist the strength to vanquish the evil. Yeah, that's right. Right?
1: I mean, you know what? As someone and, who likes the Disney Sleeping Beauty where Prince <laughs> Philip literally gets everything handed to him by the fairies and they're like, you are our weapon. Here's all these stuff. Go kill her, please. Like, yes, he does still fight her in the end, but they also give him the sword of truth and
0: whatnot. Yeah. He wouldn't have been able to do it without that, like, extra help. Right. You know? And with this, we see, like... Later, Matthias, when he's fighting Clooney, I literally read this last night. I don't believe he gets a vision from Martin.
1: No, everything, his entire fight against Clooney is all 100%
0: Martin. It Um, it is, it's Matthias. It is, I mean, sorry, Matthias. Yes. It is himself. He does not need Martin to give him that last bit of faith in himself that he can do this killing Asimodius is
1: really the turning point it's where he steps up and becomes the warrior
0: yes and he kills an evil it is not necessarily the evil that he was out to kill to start with but this evil needed to be vanquished Mm -hmm. and it's part of me thinks that Martin may have kind of set this up specifically so that because I don't think that if Matthias had not like if Matthias had not killed Asmodeus, I don't think he would have been able to kill Clooney. No. He would not have had the
1: experience. He wouldn't have he wouldn't had have the had resolve. The,
0: yeah, he would not have had the resolve to do it in such a way because before this point, he has specifically tried not to kill people. Mm-hmm. That's I mean that's He's, what he was trained for. You can't yeah. Yeah. He was a member of a very peaceful order, but he is essentially Martin's reincarnation. I am that is. Mm hmm. So he needed this push to show no, you need to be this person for everyone else around you, and you need to realize what matters more mm-hmm. in this moment. And you get that list of what matters to Matthias, and it's not necessarily in any order, no, but it's not as, but it's everything that comes to him in that moment of the things that matter to him and what he is standing between evil and what matters he is the thing between that mm-hmm. and he has to have this realization so that he can continue on to kill cluny mm-hmm. so he kills asmodeus who would have killed him no matter what mm-hmm. if he had not gotten that burst of resolve from seeing martin telling him to snap out of it he would have died yeah straight up He and Logalug both would have died and Asmodeus, like, Clooney would have taken Redwall, Asmodeus would have continued killing things, like, evil would have continued to happen. This is one of those, I bumped my microphone cord, let me make sure it didn't fuck up. I can still hear you. Okay, good. (laughs) This is just, it's, it's, it, to a degree, I can see where you're coming from about it feeling anticlimactic. And I can also see
1: where you're coming from, from the character point of view.
0: Yeah, like... It is one of those things, because vanquishing evil is not always a... What is the word I'm looking for? Uh, Cinematic events? Yeah, it's it's not always a cinematic event. A lot of times it is just, you have killed it.
1: You know what? I did mention that in one of our earlier episodes about how I prefer, like, certain villains getting that really abrupt final ending. Like, they don't deserve the... ...attention or the time or the effort to make it a grand thing or a show
0: of it. Like, just kill it, get it over with. Don't And I think some of the difference between those earlier instances in Asmodeus is Asmodeus was kind of... Asmodeus is a dragon. He was brought up as this mythical beast Mm -hmm. that could just, with a stare, kill something. I wouldn't even call him evil. And was doing so. Just, yeah.
1: Like, he's not... I wouldn't even necessarily say that he is evil... Like, he, Uh, well, I mean, like, he's not malicious in how
0: he goes out and hunts. Like, yeah, he gloats about it a little bit, but I think that's He is, he's indiscriminate. Yes. He, I think, is still, I think if you asked Asmodeus, like, do you consider yourself evil? I think Asmodeus would be like, what is evil really kind of vibes, you Uh, know? Like, I just need to eat.
1: He is also whispering the name of the devil every time he
0: goes yeah. out so that's another he thing he does too. that and he gloats about it and he doesn't we know snakes don't have to eat every day and he put guosim in a larder yeah to keep for later yeah so i th- there's to a degree where this is i think that asmodeus is evil because it's not necessarily doing things to survive. But doing things to terrify. You know what? That's a good point.
1: It's not even like the the eel, where the eel was just like, like I don't want to eat you. I prefer to eat the frogs. But if I have yeah. to, I will. You know, like he's yeah, not exactly apologetic about it, but he's just
0: forward yeah. about it. He's not having he's not having fun with it. No, he just needs to eat. Yeah, and he does not want to. He's like these creatures don't want to hurt me. They don't show any ill will towards me. If I can help them get out and they can help me get out, this will be beneficial and I will not hurt them. But if we can't get out, they are down here and I am hungry. Yeah. And that's the difference between... What was it? The the fucking snakefish? Eel. He's an eel. He was an eel. I just don't remember what they called they him. They called, yeah, the snakefish. Yeah, he was an eel... And Asmodeus, they're both these very serpentine creatures, they're dragons, but they're two different kinds of dragons. Yeah. Because you do get in myths dragons that are just there. Yeah, like, they're not out to get anyone in particular, like, you wander into their territory, that's on you. Exactly. They need to eat, and they don't show discrimination against the, who they eat. Yeah. And why. This is just, I need to eat. Asmodeus is just killing things because he wants to. Yeah. And he, th- and he takes trophies.
1: That's true, yeah. Although Captain takes- Snow took trophies as well. Remember in his lair, he did have skulls and this. Now pelts. we're getting
0: into the difference between evil creatures in the military. <laughs> and you don't want me to have that conversation because that'll add a whole other hour. Okay, let's not get into that then. But, let's yeah. not get into that. <laughs> it is framed differently though. Because, it is. Because like, uh, the Captain Snow is an owl and owls eat mice and he obviously is not discriminant about the small creatures that he eats yeah um and he keeps like it's it's like in the like Victorian ages when you had like hunters going out into like the wilds of Africa <sighs> bullshit and they'd bring back a trophy yeah. That is what it feels like to me with Snow. And that's not a good thing. It's not necessarily evil, but it is not good because it shows a drastic misunderstanding of the things that you're doing. Yeah. I'm a naturalist. No, you're not. <laughs> yeah. So I wouldn't necessarily call Captain Snow evil, but he's definitely not good. Yeah. He's more of a neutral party in a way, as we see birds kind of tend trend towards more yeah like i might eat Um, you
1: but if you're a decent enough conversationalist maybe i won't
0: yeah and like the only reason he didn't really eat matthias is because matthias had been sent by basil Mm -hmm. and had that medal and captain snow wanted it back he's like all right you gave it back to me as long as you don't come up here i won't eat you kind of thing because, like, he does try, and then when he realizes he can't, he's like, well, why don't you follow me up here? Yeah. When Matthias doesn't, he's like, okay, you're smart, all right, I won't eat you unless you do actually come up here, whatever, kind of thing. But you could if you wanted to, you know? <laughs> Yeah, so it's, I, There's a part it's, of me that really
1: does kind of love the trope of, like... The, the friendly predator who's like was like they they're they're jovial, they're nice, but like they wouldn't object if you gave them a free
0: dinner. Like I, I kinda love that in in stories. It it is very funny to me. Um it's like I, I bring up Secret of Nim later. Um but like again it's like the owl in Secret of Nim is very similar. Mm-hmm.
1: Like they know he's wise.
0: They know he's got the
1: knowledge they need. But if you go to him, there, it's like he might just eat you. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Like he might give you the knowledge. He might just eat you. Yeah. It's a toss up because he's an owl and he eats mice. Mm -hmm. Oop! I bumped my microphone stand. Would you quit bumping your microphone? (laughs) I'm gesticulating while I'm talking. I'm sorry. I can see you. I'm Italian. (laughs) (laughs) But so, this is a very, very heavy, like, to go back, this is a very, very heavy scene for Matthias specifically. Yes. It's very heavy for Logalog as well. He's definitely fucking traumatized. Yeah. But for Matthias, this is him having that realization. He has to be what stands between evils like this and what he cares about Mm -hmm. and what he is trying to protect he cannot be on the fence about what he is doing he needs to kill these evils for them to stop yep also there's some nice parallels between this and constance saying we need to cut off the head of the snake yep (laughs) all right also the whole conversation (laughs) okay so jumping back to the book on
1: their mm-hmm. way back to Redwall, they stop at the Ramshackle Barn, where Julian gives Martin a good and sound warning. Matthias. Matthias, I'm going to keep doing that. I apologize,
0: Matthias. Listen, Martin knew the sword wasn't magic. I yeah. Uh,
1: but Matthias says, like, the sword is not magic. It's not special. What makes it special is who wields it and what they wield it for. He knows. I mean, Matthias.
0: I, mean, I wanna. I wanna read okay. this. Like the actual thing it's
1: really good like this whole paragraph this whole
0: conversation is very good yeah so the marmalade cat loomed up out of the half-light so i see welcome little friend is that the sword you told me of matthias proffered the blade for inspection it is indeed as modius the snake lies dead i slew him with this very weapon it is the great sword of martin the warrior squire julian gingivere handled the sword with care he laid it on a hay bale sitting next to it he folded his paws under him and half shut his eyes we get this image of a wise cat Mm -hmm. you know yeah like he's here to drop some knowledge on you because he's old Mm -hmm. like we don't realize that the when we first see him that he is older than he looks Mm -hmm. matthias let me give you some good advice I am much older than you and have seen far more of life. There are not many illusions left to me, and I do not want to shatter your dreams or blight your ambitions, my friend. But I must say what I have to. We squires of Gingivere are an ancient line. In the past, I have seen many such tokens as this weapon. My grandsires owned a vast armory full of magnificent and valued battle equipment. No doubt your sword is indeed a beautiful thing. "'It is a tribute to whoever forged it in bygone ages. "'There are very few such swords as this one left in the world, "'but remember, it is only a sword, Matthias. "'It contains no secret spell, "'nor holds within its blade any magical power. "'The sword is made for only one purpose, to kill. "'It will only be as good or evil as the one who wields it. Uh "'I know that you intend to use it only for the good of your abbey, Matthias.' Do so, but never allow yourself to be tempted into using it in a careless or idle way. It would inevitably cost you your life or that of your dear ones. Martin the warrior used the sword only for right and good. This is why it has become a symbol of power to Redwall. Knowledge is gained through wisdom, my friend. Use the sword wisely. Matthias picked up his weapon. He was surprised at Julian's words. There was an echo of something that his old companion Methuselah had once said to him. And, like, whew. All right, here's where I pop in with, like,
1: another book series that I read. And this one's a lot more common, so I'm sure other people will know about it. But, like, The
0: Dresden Files. <laughs> um, uh, the series I have not read, but you have read extensively. Honestly,
1: I don't know if I want to recommend it to you, because I'm really, really angry about the most recent book. And as much as I do enjoy the <laughs> series, like, it definitely, like, slips into, like, yeah, you can tell it's a straight white guy writing it. <laughs>
0: He, I mean, it's kind of like how I wouldn't really recommend Redwall without some caveats to right. it. Right. Or me with any of the Clamp
1: uh, series that I love oh, so much. Oh, God. But, um, yeah. Jesus. But to stick to uh, the Dresden Files, um, spoilers for the series, but they end, up, they end up in the series, you beat the Knights of the Cross, who are people who are chosen to wield three swords that have the three nails that held Jesus to the cross forged into them. There's uh, one that is essentially implied to be Excalibur, a katana, which I can't remember the name of. I think it might be Fidelicus. And then a bastard sword, which is wielded by an atheist Russian. (laughs) And I love him. Um, (laughs) I I love it when he meets me. He's like, you're an atheist. Yes. And you got that sword. Yes. From the literal angel Gabriel. Yes. How are you still an atheist? I could be hallucinating all this. Okay, <laughs> you know but in the series it's like it's it's very clearly told that the swords cannot be used in anger they cannot be used in hate they must be used to protect they can only be used in a way that god would approve of you know um and later on in the series a character does end up breaking one of the swords because they use it in anger Mm -hmm. Of course, then they turn it around to like, well, the physical form of the sword is broken, but now that means the guy who inherits the sword from the other user can turn it into a literal flipping lightsaber, which makes (laughs) it less effective against physical opponents, but wreaks a merry havoc on anything that is uh, ephemeral, which conveniently they happen to have a great big war with a bunch of fairies after that. So, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but there's again that trope of like, do not use a sword frivolously do not use use it to protect use something like this to defend like a weapon is a weapon you know like you decide what kind of weapon it's going to be you decide how it's going to be used
0: Mm-hmm. um Anyway, I misquoted the thing because I put in a thing like I misquoted it. It's one of the Night Vale <laughs> NRA bumpers.
1: I was like, that's not right, because they were making fun of like you use the actual NRA.
0: I did. I did. The one I meant <laughs> to say is to quote Night Vale NRA, guns don't kill people. People kill guns. Yes. Whereas
1: there's the, <laughs> actual... the actual
0: NRA is guns don't kill people. People kill people, which is true. Weapons are not evil they are objects and tools but that doesn't mean that they shouldn't be regulated fuck you NRA <laughs> um, this depends on the the branch of the NRA that you are talking about because yes. the socialist NRA is all for the regulation of weapons but is also aware that they are necessary yes well i are. am not
1: i am not anti-gun i yeah. i grew up learning how to handle firearms and you know like they are not toys like i got my first bb gun when i was 10 You
0: know, it was a piece of crap.
1: My dad hated it, but
0: uh, my grandfather (laughs) gave it to me. I've shot BB guns before. Uh, And I've also shot like a regular gun. And guns scare me, but that's because I don't know how to handle them properly. And I do not trust myself without proper training Mm -hmm. to handle a gun. Mm -hmm. I can handle a bow and arrow just fine. But a bow and arrow, you (laughs) have to really be trying
1: to get it, you know...
0: Yeah, you got. I mean, you can fuck up your own muscles and, like, give yourself, like, um, uh, skin burn mm-hmm. and stuff like that from using them, but, like, you're less likely to kill yourself if you accidentally shoot yourself in the foot. Yeah.
1: Um, <laughs> but anyway, regardless, uh, so we get back to. Um, he knows Matthias intends to use it honorably, but soundly and firmly warns him against foolish or casual use of the sword. It is for killing. Okay, we talked over that. Mm-hmm. Hearing an echo, there's Methuselah. He leads the cat over to Captain Snow, where the thoroughly humiliated owl is forced to keep his side of the bet, returning the He's medal. So angry, swearing to not eat shrews or mice, and apologizing to Julian. He's just harumphing so and grumphing and just, just, just absolutely humiliated. This owl is having the worst day of his life. Probably worse he than like, the time he, he got like, stuck in a tree.
0: Th- he throws the metal at Matthias's feet and it's just like, I'm not going to say another word while well, that salad-eating cat is in hearing range. And Matthias is just like, huh. You know, I never took you to be a, a, a bad sport. And, you know, I've got an entire regiment of shrews hidden around. You know, you need to honor your wager here. And the owl's just like, God, fucking, fine. Yeah. Fine. <laughs> I'm just imagining, like, you remember, like, the old,
1: like, <laughs> No, the way you said that, I'm just imagining Car Cat now, but as an owl.
0: <laughs> and he's like all of the shrews like break cover and they're like dancing and whooping, Captain says like, Go away, but gone. I can't stand it. All those little dinners dancing around. It's too much, I tell you. <laughs> I guess it'd be and like Mathias the equivalent of like a microwave dinner coming out to dance in your yeah. room. And then Matthias is like, uh, but what about your promise regarding uh, the squire? And the owl's just like e-. <laughs> fine <laughs> to which I apologize. <laughs> And Julian
1: is more than happy to accept the apology and speak to his old friend again. The two return to the barn, and Matthias basks in the feeling of confidence and joy the return of the sword has given him. He gives a and hearty like, laugh, so, and the shrews join in. And we have two notes here that I want to read out.
0: So so first, first, it's not necessarily that he, he accepts it, but he, he also returns the apology. He's like, no, no, no. I must also apologize. And they have this whole interaction that is just like... It's very oh, sweet. Like He's like... The whole incident was entirely due to my priggishness and lack of manners. And Captain was like, do you really think so? Oh, come on, Julian, old chap. I must share the blame. It was my barrack room feeding habits that started the whole thing. You mustn't blame yourself, old friend. And am like, no, no, I insist that we share the blame <laughs> 50-50. Besides, the question won't arise now that you've sworn off shrews and mice. I say, have you ever tried a fresh trout salad with mustard and cress? Why don't you come over to the barn? I'm sure there'll be enough for you. I mean, trout's not exactly a vegetable, is it? it's just like <laughs> it's really cute i like it so much just read the read the notes
1: and then um i put the note now i'm not saying they're life partners who had a hell of a spat but to which and i'm like oh good we had the same thought like i wasn't thinking this at all until like this moment i'm just like
0: ah. Uh... Like, like I kind of briefly was like, hmm, when like when they we were first getting into it with like especially with um Captain Snow mm-hmm. being so vehement about it. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> it, it could be like you know how there's like the Timon and Pumba kind of thing where
1: it's like it's like they could be, they couldn't be, but either way they are life partners, be it platonic or not. Yeah. And you know, like you can have like friends
0: for life who you would like to live with. In fact, there's a couple of people Queer, I wouldn't mind platonic living with but, partners. Yep queer platonic partners qpp's yeah cucumbers (laughs) that's what they're called (laughs) like that is a nickname for queer platonic partners is cucumbers i didn't
1: know that oh my goodness yeah it's really
0: really cute honestly (laughs) Hey, Um, hey
1: i've got like two people it's like i wouldn't mind going to live in an apartment with you forever (laughs)
0: <laughs> Just not married. Or, you know. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, no, that's totally fair. And then, you know, we get, like, Matthias is, like, basking in these feelings of confidence and joy <laughs> and he's like, I have the sword. Things are good. He's not even fucking thinking about the Abbey right now. No. Which is weird as shit, I think, personally. But also, he's coping. He's co- think... Not necessarily the best way, but he's coping. Yeah, but see, he's um, probably still hopped up on adrenaline. Yes. And, like, <laughs> your note when he's like he gives a hearty and very infectious laugh that the shoes can't help but join in on you're just like kick flips into the sunset i
1: couldn't help it shout out no to... because that's what yeah <laughs> shout outs to the escapist Asca... i think we got to do that at least once per episode
0: um <laughs> listen they inspired us they did and they in- they inspired us yeah. to do this uh, except both of us have read these series, we just haven't read them in fucking forever. Yep. So, uh, <laughs> you know, we remember some things, and then other things we're like, what the fuck? Yeah. I um, do uh, my, my response to Kit saying kickflips into the sunset was radical. Yeah. <laughs> God, could <laughs> it, you imagine, it, like, for, a modern it, <laughs> reimagining of Redwall? <laughs> I mean, God. Would that just be the that Borrowers? That would be
1: actually. Mm, no, not necessarily. I guess. I like if we eliminated humans, but like made it an actual modern setting. Wait, we, we can't get I, into this right now.
0: Focus, focus, focus. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> fact, no you are you pondering? For those of you who have not read Animorphs, in the Animorphs books, a lot of times they'll end. If they're not part of like a set of them that have to be read one after the other, because they're in a sim like they're all the same story, mm-hmm. like the David trilogy. <laughs> 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 <Hey>. <laughs> Which, uh. <laughs> anyway. I mean. A lot of times they'll end they both with have the thing the kids. What? They both have rats and no, Oh my god, fuck off! <laughs> fuck you. Anyway. Uh, a lot of times the Animorph books will end with it similar to this, where they're just, you know, like, it's a bunch of, like. 13 year old kids and everything is fine and they kick flip into the sun you know we're not completely kind of traumatized <laughs> yeah they're 13 it, whatever uh, okay so
1: <laughs> Clooney emerges from the tent renewed and reinvigorated and gives his men for no
0: reason this is not explained for like until like the end of the book mm-hmm. this is not explained we just is like oh what the fuck Clooney you
1: good no yeah, because, like, he, he's renewed and revigorated and gives his men a whole day's rest. The Redwallers use the break to start repairs on the gate. Clooney hardly minds, seeing his improvements to the soon-to-be his stronghold, that is Redwall. He tells a passing Fangburn to light a large fire in the nearby ditch. And, like, the way this whole paragraph is written, it's like, yes, he is, like, he's here. He's back in control, but he's not... It's like, it's Clooney, but someone took his mind and shifted him slightly to the left. He's still here. Yeah. He's still Clooney. But he's just off kilter enough that you can feel it.
0: Yeah, and like, he's like talking to himself and like Fangburn is passing by. He's like, uh, sorry? Who are you talking to? And it's like, oh, nobody. I'm just, look at the gate. Look at them. What do you, what do you, what does that gate, like, rep, what, what what is that gate for? To keep us out? And he's like, no, to keep us from getting in. It's like, that's exactly what I just said. You know? Well, but there is a difference. Yeah. There is a difference. Um, because they're not thinking about the other ways in which you can get into the Abbey. That's true. Uh, but Clo- Clooney is, because he's smart. Mm-hmm. And there are the fucking other- The three other goddamn doors- mm-hmm. That nobody guards! Nobody guards, because they're locked- But people go in and out of them all the time. And so, Uh, yeah, they light the fire in the ditch, and it's a big, like, bonfire, and they get Plumpin and the Dormouse family, and he threatens them, and he's like, Plumpin has to help them get into the abbey, or Clooney's gonna kill the entire family. Like, just straight up. Yep. And Plumpin is just like i will do anything to protect my family anything that you want me to do i will do it and i don't blame him so for this bad. at all yeah i don't either like listen this is one of those things where it's like when you're in this kind of situation you just want to you protect do what's what you yours. need to do yeah. yeah you need to survive there's people who will be like oh but he should have just died no and kill his whole you, family no
1: yeah, exactly. That's not the kind no. of situation you can judge somebody for You know it's, no. it's, it's a horrible awful situation And like he feels like garbage He knows he is Betraying them and he does not forgive himself But he Cannot be responsible for the death of his family Because like he knows His family whereas the Redwallers Yeah they're nice yeah they're kind But they're abstracts he doesn't know Them they're not his family The people he's spent his mm-hmm. whole life with they're yeah. not his mother, his father, his siblings, his his you know cousins. All of them. He doesn't know the Redwallers like he knows his family.
0: Yeah. So and and he. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I okay. was just gonna. So he yeah. slips in among the work crews
1: using a scavenged habit to blend in. He well, eat... they took it off of a dead Redwaller. Yeah, who fell over the the.
0: Yeah. Um, And he just, he sneaks in with like this board of wood and like helps them work. And then like he is taken back up once they're done in the baskets. He gets afternoon tea and he feels so bad the whole time. Yeah. He's like, oh, and he sneaks off to the gatehouse to wait because no one is using the gatehouse right now because that was where Methuselah lived. Mm -hmm. Nobody's using the gatehouse and like, so nobody thinks to look there for somebody, right? And nobody notices that he's a new person there because there are a lot of new people mm-hmm. in the abbey because they have a lot of refugees from the forest in the abbey. Yep, it's all a very well thought out plan.
1: It really is. Um, like this is when we really get to see Clooney. Like, it's when he finally stops like using force and just really sits down to be clever that we see where he gets his name.
0: He just likes using force.
1: Yeah. I mean, like, it is, like, the direct, most uh, efficient option half the time. Mm-hmm. And usually it works. Usually it works. But the the, the Redwallers are stubborn. Yes. Very. Um, yeah. So, come nightfall, let's see, are the, the abbot gives a pick-me-up speech, which does seem to help. Constance, Jess, and Basil agree it was very pretty, but pointless. Clooney
0: won't leave until they are all dead, or he is dead. Yeah, they basically are just like, yeah, this, like, because the, the abbot is giving this speech so that the average, like, Red Waller feels, doesn't feel demoralized by what's happening. But the captains are like, mm, yeah,
1: but. Yeah, this is, this is not going to end how you want it to. Um, This is not how this kind of
0: situation works, unfortunately. Like, that'd be great if it worked like that. Yeah. But it's not how it works. No so the unfortunate plumpin does
1: as clooney had ordered he takes a rag and greases up the the gate hinges basically so he's able to open them after nightfall um clooney enters redwall through the door and plumpin is bludgeoned on the back of the head by fangburn
0: yeah, he's, like, like, waiting for them, like, just very, very nervous, like, my family will be safe now, I let them in, I did what I was supposed to do, and Fangburn just, smack. Like, I thought he was dead, I was like, oh, well. I also thought he was dead, I was like,
1: well. Like, the way Griffin they describe was, it, he drops like a rock, and it's like, oh, that's a dead Dormouse. Um, dead as a Dormouse. Yay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. for listening. If you like this podcast, please be sure to follow us on Twitter at Abbey Archives, and if you'd like to read along with us, join our Discord, linked in the description below. You can also follow our parent podcast at Hope's Hearth Pod. Remember to wash your paws like good dibbins and take care of yourselves. Bye!